electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Thanks. Fast Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner. Our traders on the desk tonight are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. And tonight on Fast, more trouble for Tesla. The Department of Justice now probing CEO Elon Musk's tweets about taking the company private. We'll tell you what it all means for the stock, which was down today. Plus, the reviews are in for the latest crop of iPhones. You won't believe what people are saying either. We'll have the phones here live on the set. And we'll do a fast money test as well. But first, we start with the escalating trade war as the U.S. and China continue to go head to head. The president making comments earlier today, capping a busy day of trade headlines. Let's go out to Eamon Javers in D.C. for those details. Eamon. Yes, Scott, that's right. The administration broadly defending the president's approach here in terms of the tariffs on China that he announced last night. Wilbur Ross was on CNBC earlier today, and he said ultimately he believes that the United States has the upper hand in this negotiation. Here's what he said. China doesn't have enough imports from us to make a reciprocal tax. China, we, we sell them less than $150 billion a year. So in that sense, they're out of bullets. At a press conference later in the day in the East Room here at the White House, the president uh, talked about his approach broadly to this trade issue. He said, ultimately, the American public has been paying the price for what he framed as decades of mismanagement by American politicians and American presidents who preceded him. Here's what he said. We are the piggy bank to the world. We've been ripped off by China. We've been ripped off by, excuse me, Mr. President, the European Union, of which you're a part of. <laughs> We've been ripped off by everybody. And I want to protect the American worker, the American farmer, the ranchers, the companies. And we're not being ripped off, you will see, in a little while. No indication from the president or anybody else here at the White House today as to whether or not the U.S. is going to automatically respond to the Chinese retaliation that was announced this morning. In the president's announcement yesterday, he said the United States would automatically follow up on any Chinese retaliation with additional tariffs of the U.S. on the part of the U.S. of up to $267 billion of tariffs on additional goods coming from China. That would be pretty much every uh, export from China to the United States that would be facing tariffs in that situation. It's it's assumed here in Washington that the president, when he says automatic, he means automatic, and that's coming as well. But we'll wait and see for that, Scott. Sure will. Eamon, thanks so much. Eamon Javers, North Lawn of the White House this evening. Despite the trade war, the Dow staged quite the rally today, surging at one point more than 250 points as consumer discretionary and industrials, which are most sensitive to trade fears, leading the way. Guy, I, I guess it's what trade war? You look at the market today. Market doesn't seem to care. I think it's what Steve alluded to last night in terms of the 10% versus 25% and what a difference a day makes. I take a little uh, umbrage with what Mr. Ross said. I don't think the Chinese are out of bullets. I think they have a number of bullets, not least of which they could devalue their currency and we back to square zero. I, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but they definitely still have bullets in the gun. With that said, I mean, what the market continues to tell you is they do think that there's going to be some sort of uh, 
rec not reconciliation, but they'll come to some sort of agreement and everything will be fine. I'm not certain that is the case. What I will say, and we talked about this last week, for whatever reason, all of a sudden, steel stocks seem to be getting their footing. We mentioned Cleveland Cliffs last week. With the rest of the steel sector lower, that's been going higher. Up again today, almost 4%, as was U.S. Steel. So there have been things that are starting to show some rays of hope. And it comes in the form, in my opinion, of steel stocks and a lot of these pharmaceutical stocks that continue just to grind higher. We make it. Well, listen, I mean, the market clearly said today, in markets, perception is reality. And the perception is we are closer to the end of this trade war than the beginning of this trade war. And that's what the markets are telling you today. To Steve's point, 10% wasn't as much as 25%. We have the headline up saying the trade war escalates. The market's saying today was a de-escalation. I don't know if it's going to be right in three months, but for today, it appears to be the right. I mean, Goldman I, thinks I, that it's going to going to get worse. Are we are we too I, complacent? I agree with Goldman. No, come on, guys. I mean, I agree with Guy. First of all, I think they do have other bullets. Guy's pointed out pretty much every time we talk that the Chinese are in this for the long haul. Um, I would argue, first of all, the data came out. China's been a net seller of Treasuries four out of the last five months. Again, not in their best interest to dump Treasuries, but but I think they're in a position to play uh, not only a longer game, but as I I will continue to say, this is not your father's trade. War. So why hasn't the market about China 2025? Why hasn't the market reacted to this. it though? So the, you have to trade the market that's in front of you. I would think that the market has made up its mind that the U.S. does has more leverage than the Chinese mm. for the moment. For today, right? Yeah, but, for the but to but today's point, I think we're closer to the end. So Guy mentioned uh, the, the guy, but so. So the market is, is at all-time highs. The market has totally outperformed the rest of the world. You're seeing actually global indicators which indicate the trade war is having a major effect. If it has a major effect on the globe, it does have an effect on us. And we, we've, it's been so long since we've gotten back to the, the, market the, is revenue, the percentage of revenues from the S&P that the, are in the market. That are the market is the a forward-looking mechanism, and it doesn't see headwinds for the United States market. It's well, always about six to eight months ahead. It's, it's, it's absolutely fair to say that here we are right near the highs and the market is certainly looking at growth in tech and defensive sectors and that the rest of the world has been an aberration. Look, but I don't think that continues. And by the way, I but also growth think in tech, tech is underperformed and the market has done the heavy lifting outside of that. So there's been other triggers that have pushed this market higher and you don't see people diving into emerging markets I, even I, with their underperformance. I don't think we're going to know for a while. I mean, you get Polaris, Macy's, FedEx. There were a handful of others today that are the CEOs so still talking about, earnings, about. But even if they do come out, it's and say, all about earnings. This is in the still big about picture. earnings and the fundamental backdrop in the in the USA market, and it's still positive. And trust me, these politicians are doing their own polling going into midterm elections. This is still resonating with the voters. But it comes down to whether or not investors think this is a permanent issue or is it temporary. And I'm just saying today, investors are saying they think this is temporary. So even if we get earnings reports that come out and say trade war is hurting us, as long as investors believe that this is a one-quarter phenomenon and let's call it January, February, things are going to be better, then you're going to be okay. If it doesn't, if it goes on and it escalates and they devalue and they sell treasuries, then we've got There's a real no problem. There's no reason to really believe that the Chinese are going to come to the table ahead of the midterm elections, is I there? I don't believe it, and I've said it for a while. I'm not suggesting I'm right. In my opinion, I don't see any reason for them to... Given what's going on in the country right now, why would, if they've waited this long, why would the Chinese come to the table? If he holds, if, if he does something behind the scenes uh, to, to just play the olive branch, he talks tough on television, but what happens if there's something behind the scenes where he's offering them a more enticing deal, more, more incentive, incentivize the Chinese to come to that table? By the way, Possibility. If, if we continue to get this kind of a move in markets and actually the dollar that weakens, that puts the Fed more in play than less. 
Um, and that is something that I don't think we're, we're acknowledging. I think the Fed uh, will go in December, and I think they're probably going to go three more times. We think we know where terminal rates are going to be. But, but if you look at the dynamics here, I think the market is not pricing in enough risk. And the fact that we've got a VIX now at 12, um, or at least with a 12 handle, that doesn't, you know, today, I don't feel like running into the market saying, oh, wow, fresh highs on the S&P because we didn't respond poorly to trade news. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. You go, you know, you get this announcement, you have tough talk. You know, the president was in the Oval Office sitting next to the Polish president today and said if China continues to retaliate, then they're going to do the 267 uh, billion additional, right. right? You get this tough rhetoric, this bluster. I don't know what you want, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the Dow only goes up. Right. The Dow goes, but even the retaliation, up. do you remember when, the, when we talked about this a couple of months ago, the retaliation from the Chinese government was supposed to be 5, 10, 25, or 30 percent retaliation. Now they're only saying 5 or 10. So they're all backing off what they initially said. Yep. All right, well, as we said at the top, uh, industrial stocks were strong all day. It's the best performing sector this month. Names like Caterpillar, Lockheed Martin, United Technologies, and Boeing leading the way. And our next guest says there are three industrial stocks to buy right now. Let's go off the charts with Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com. Hey, Todd. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? Uh, first, let's take a look at the XLI. This is the sector SPDR that tracks the industrials. And as you can see from a technical point of view, since 2011, we're in a beautiful parallel channel here. There is just no reason to fight this trend at this point. Moreover, where will we start to run into technical resistance? We have more upside to go. We're kind of range-bound just inside of this little little channel here, so we're neither overbought nor oversold. Within the makeup of the XLI, there's three main um, industry groups we want to take a look at. They're railroads, um, they're going to be defense, and industrial conglomerates. And the one thing that I would mention here is those conglomerates have been very, very weak. GE and 3M have been underperforming. If you take those out, industrials, I think, would be a lot stronger. As I mentioned, defense, very strong. Boeing is in a beautiful, just kind of sideways pennant here. It's caught between a ceiling and a floor. At some point, the trend that was in place prior should break out. Boeing looks wonderful. You take a look at Raytheon, broke to new highs today. Uh, Boeing, I think, will follow suit. Um, next one here is Lockheed Martin. Not as strong as Raytheon and Boeing, but you can see we have a nice classic inverse head and shoulders here. So you've got a low, a lower low, a higher low. Shorts are caught. They're panic buying. They're starting to get on the horse. Buyers are coming in. Momentum, guys, no reason we shouldn't go up and retest that 360. You get my point. Finally, let's take a look at a rail. Um, CSX, again, kind of looking like that XLI, a long-term parallel up channel here. A view, come on, trend lines. CSX is very much uh, starting to move towards the upper end. You might have another $10, $20 in CSX. You take a look at Union uh, Pacific, UNP broke to new highs. This is kind of a catch-up trade, so I think you focus in on the, on the rails and the defense within the industrials. Yeah. You got a question? Quick question Brian? would be, a lot, I think, Todd, a lot of these things you're looking at, this sort of you overlay an S&P chart looks exactly the same. Yeah. A bit of a sell-off, starting to test all-time highs. Does, you're going to see the commensurate move in the S&P 500? You, you know what, you guy, said? you reminded me. I kind of blew the segment here. Below there was a ratio oh, oh no. chart of, I'm just going to, full transparency, right? <laughs> There's a ratio of the industrials to SBX guy. And what you're seeing is there was underperformance of XLI relative to the S&P. <laughs> but we started to do kind of a hook bottom here in the last month. As Scott mentioned at the top, XLI starting to outperform on a relative basis. So there's, there's quantitative evidence that industrials are coming on here. Tim's going to try and save the segment. I, I mean, I tell you, I, I wouldn't say you blew it, buddy. Just Thanks, it, was, buddy. it was a small miscue. I, that's a, that's I heavy duty. <laughs> industrials, though. Why are people? You're showing me this chart, and yet we feel like the industrials have been under so much pressure from the trade war. You know, talk about that. 
Well, I, I, again, I mean, maybe BK said it. Maybe the markets are discounting that perhaps we're going to win the trade war. Maybe they're pushing China to become more of a consumer-based rather than be an export technology-based nation. Maybe they're going to be, markets are discounting that they're going to be a consumer demand-based economy and start consuming some of the world's uh, goods and services. I'm not sure. I keep it simple. I'm a simple-minded technician following these trends and these lines. And so far, this market just looks like it wants to point higher. Yeah. Todd, thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. I didn't even know he blew it. No, no, that, no, I mean, no one would have known he blew it. Yeah, biggest he mistake was admitting he blew it. Yeah. Never he let them know that you blew it when you blew it. I mean, as a musician, you never stop. You never tell them that you screwed up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Indul- charge <laughs> Industrials this month. Cat 7%, Lockheed 7%, United Tech 6%, Boeing 5 Does this continue or is this going to run out? I, I would think that... To Tim's point where he just said that everyone thinks that they should be under pressure or they are under pressure and everyone talks about it. What happens if everyone got so short all of these industrial names against their long techs uh, positions and now that unwind is taking place right now? So I think you're seeing guys cover in the industrial space because the trade war fell a little flat. Well, also look at what, what Simple Todd put up there. He put up a lot of the defense sectors. And we know today that we have a bill that's going to increase military spending. That'll likely continue into next year. So now you have, in this particular sector, trade war de-escalation, as well as an increase in defense spending. So I actually do think you stick with the defense names. Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon. I don't know. How, you guys are saying that the trade war is de-escalating on a day where we put these tariffs on and we're threatening I'm saying the more. market what told the market? us that. Yeah, no what did the market tell you? Yeah, the market today, okay, told great. You, the market told us today. The, That's the, great. The, mar- the market is smarter than all of us individuals. Because it went up to, right? the Dow went up 250 one day. What, what should it do? Should it, would you feel better if it went down? Uh, and then what? Would I wouldn't you be right feel, if it went down? I, I wouldn't here, feel here, anything. Here's, I'm my, just here's my view on this. We still have um, no look deal at the, let's talk about the Canada rails either. because they are, they are certainly coincident into where we are seeing both growth and GDP. We've actually had some headwinds in the housing sector, and yet these guys continue to crush it. I think there's a lot of growth that's priced into a big part of the industrial economy, and therefore that concerns me because to me there's no way we haven't fast-forwarded growth into this economy. I think the trade war, we, we, there's no way we were going to have felt this. And as much as the market's a forward-looking indicator, the economics aren't going to be weaker until we get towards the end of the year, and the market will price that in before that. So I don't think you need to chase rails here. I wouldn't be chasing industrials. The only one I look at in terms I think you still can't chase is Kansas City Southern and Caterpillar. If you go back to the end of July when they reported additional $10 billion stock buyback, on valuation and the way it sort of defended the lows that it recently made, I think the most interesting one out of all the ones that, what would you call him, Simple Todd? Yeah, why, simple Todd. Why, yeah. why, why simple? Because he's, he said he's he a simple guy. Oh, he's okay. a simple no, technician. You picked up simple on Simple Todd, yeah. Simple in that regard, but he's right. far more complex. Do you think he blew life. the segment? Not at all. I thought he did a wonderful simplicity job. Simplicity is segment. complexity. Let's yeah, put it Good point by BK. I think Caterpillar goes higher. All right, coming up. Shares of Tesla getting slammed today as the DOJ now looking into Elon Musk's tweet. Is a criminal probe coming? And what could that mean for the stock? Plus, we got our hands on two new iPhones Apple just released last week. We're putting them to the ultimate fast money test tonight. You won't want to miss that. And later, it is the stock captivating Wall Street and Main Street. Pot stock Tilray. Jim Cramer just sat down with the CEO. We'll tell you what he said about his stock's parabolic rise. We are live from Times Square in New York City. There is much more Fast Money next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
Just when you thought the worst was behind Tesla, the Justice Department now looking into Elon Musk's tweets about the company. Phil LeBeau breaking it down from Burlingame, California. Phil? Yeah, Scott, it's unclear how intense this investigation is by the Department of Justice as it looks into the tweet that Elon Musk sent out in early August regarding the possibility of taking Tesla private. There were some reports earlier in the day that this is a criminal probe. We've been unable to confirm that. But here's what we do know with Tesla confirming that, yes, it has been in touch with the Department of Justice. The focus of what the Department of Justice is asking questions about is the take private tweet that was sent in early August. Tesla says it has sent in documents that were requested by the Department of Justice. In a statement, Tesla says, we received a voluntary request for documents from the DOJ, and we have been cooperating and responding to it. We have not received a subpoena, a request for testimony, or any other formal process. We respect the DOJ's desire to get information about this and believe that the matter should be quickly resolved as they review the information they have received. While it's unclear whether or not this probe is a huge issue for Tesla and for Elon Musk. It did put shares of Tesla under pressure today. Remember, Tesla is also under an SEC investigation as the SEC looks into the tweet that Elon Musk sent out on August 4th, where he said he was considering taking the company private. That, of course, sent shares moving higher. And eventually, those shares came back when Elon Musk and Tesla's board said they would not consider going private. Scott, back to you. Okay, Phil, thank you very much. Phil LeBeau joining us there from California. What do you guys do with this, right? Simultaneous probes, DOJ, SEC. Does it make the stock a no-touch until yeah. we get a little more clarity? It makes it, it's, it's another distraction for Tesla, and it makes it untradeable at this point in time. Unfortunately, because I think in the long run, I love Tesla, but here... I wouldn't touch it. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They just need to focus on making cars. If they can do that, maybe you get investors back. Yeah, I mean, I think these are the least. This is the least of the problems. I realize that the headlines, and I realize Elon Musk has been, you know, definitely not giving shareholders a lot of comfort. But um, the issues really come around the delivery schedule that we're actually getting up to in another quarter round. We have a, we have earnings around the corner. I don't think At that even matters point, these guys anymore. Need of course, they matter. I don't think it even kidding? matters anymore. When you have this type of investigation, the the top ten holders have a fiduciary responsibility. They can't be involved in the stock. They have to lighten up on a lot of these plays. Plus, if he's removed, I don't know. Maybe if he's removed or barred, maybe it's a positive for the stock. I'm not sure. I don't think so. So if it's not, then it's Tesla then is Musk. You Musk can't is touch Tesla. You, you can't, can't get... touch it now during the investigation. If you right. think it's a negative, well, then it's, let, me, it's... Let, me, let me just throw this at you. I remember, remember a company very well called Herbalife that had a DOJ and SEC investigation going on at the very same time. When that news broke, the stock went down. Things looked pretty dire. I think we all know how that movie ended, mm. right? If you're a believer in the long term but of Scott, the company, why don't you use this as a buy? That's fine, except for has the stock really sold off on those concerns? No, we've got 3 or 4% today. Maybe, maybe you could say 5% total. That's not the issue with Tesla. The issue is you have a CEO who's a visionary who seems unhinged. You've got a company that can never hit deliveries. And you've got a massive competitive landscape that slowly, the pocket is collapsing around them. Too once nice again. All the pockets. You know, Tim has mentioned competition for a while, and I have discounted that. But actually, you know, you're, out, you're starting to see Audi come out with commercials. Jim Cramer, I think, on Monday said competition was a factor. So Tim's been spot on on this. Look, again, I'll say it for the hundredth time. When they said funding secured at 375, I thought for sure the stock was headed beeline to 420. I was wrong. But the fact that it bounced off 280 and here we are again indicates to me maybe there is further downside. What if someone buys Tesla? Anybody gaming that out? Anybody gaming that? Who somebody buys? Somebody I, in? Who? I don't know. 
Hey, there's any number security. of companies out there that, that, that might be interested. I, I think it'd be very, it would be a, a big gulp and how are you going to integrate Musk into an, another company? Well, I, the I don't rallies, think this is a, because that's a what it rallied on on the, on, the, on the fake tweet. So, yeah, but it's, so it's, it, different between, it would rally. it's different between him taking a private and another right. company buying them. That's a very different integration. Well, look, look just to go back to the stuff that Steve's talking about, this is the most shorted security by concentration of clients at any prime broker you're going to ask right now. So there's no question that this stock, and yesterday, even for a stock that's most shorted, yesterday was the fourth most shorted. I was just checking some of the stats that I get from brokers. Yesterday you know, tells you that the pressure is probably increasing on a stock. If you've got a whiff that there's a takeout, these guys will run to, to cover. But, but the biggest issue here is that this is a company that has to deliver on fundamentals, and the stock trades at something that fundamentally makes no sense. All right. Yeah, to your point, point the Quick. stock is ripe for a battle of the billionaires, which I think you know a little about. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, well, no, kind of have it I already. Right? You see what I did? The Herbalife battle of the billionaires. Wasn't there a simple book BK. on that or something? Did you say you're going to wear a cowboy hat tonight? I think tonight? there was a book yeah. written about that. All right, for more on Musk, uh, please head over to CNBC.com. There's a great story on Tesla there as we speak. There it is. Meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. No, it's just shares of hot pot stock Tilray, which is now worth more than 126 companies in the S&P. And after you hear what the CEO just told Kramer, you'll understand why. Did you see that? It's the small difference that might explain why Apple stock is surging. And we'll tell you what that is when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. First wave of reviews rolling in now on Apple's new iPhone. So how is the tech community responding to the latest upgrade? Our Josh Lipton live in San Francisco right now with those details. Hey, Josh. Scott, the reviews are in for these new iPhones, so let's run through some of the highlights. The Verge's Nelly Patel saying Apple's iPhone XS and XS Max smoothed out solid updates to a winning formula, he says. U.S. Today's Ed Beige telling his readers these two new iPhones are the best Apple has ever made. As for if the cost justifies the expense, Beige writes, well, maybe you should wait until the iPhone XR appears next month. The Journal's Joanna Stern echoing 
following that theme. Sit tight for the iPhone XR, she says, that the new iPhones are great, but that the XR due out in October, remember, sounds more like a great deal, in her opinion. For his part, Brian Chen of the New York Times, though, writing, bigger is now definitely better, acknowledging the price tags of these new smartphones, but emphasizing that their cameras and screens make them worth the high prices. Financial analysts now taking their best guesses about the mix of iPhones in the quarters ahead and what that then means for average selling prices. In a note today, RBC, RBC saying if the relatively cheaper 10R is the big seller, ASPs could grow low single digits to 820. But if the iPhone 10S Max is the best seller, then RBC says ASPs could approach 900. Scott, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks so much. So are the new iPhones worth the hype? Let's bring in CNBC.com's tech product editor, Todd Hazelton, who has the new phones. Nope. With him, ah, you saw the report. Right. You've got the phones. This is cool. What do you say? I said they're the best phones you can buy right now. Best iPhones, obviously, no surprise there. But I also agree with pretty much all those headlines there. I think everybody should wait to see what the 10R offers in October. It launches in October for $749. These, on the other hand, are $1,000 and $1,099. Once you start packing in all the storage, that goes up to $1,449. Mm. So they're not cheap, but they are amazing. They've got the, best, the strongest glass Apple's ever put in the phones, more water-resistant than ever. I threw it in the pond back at headquarters, which is pretty fun. It can go up to six feet of water for 30 minutes. Um, it's got new signals, so a gigabit LTE, which is faster data than the, even the iPhone X last year. And it also has something business users will probably care about, dual SIM. So if you're going abroad, you know, going to Europe, you can pack a SIM card, pop it in when you get there, and leave it leave them both in, come back to the United States and just use your American SIM, which is pretty cool. Oh, interesting. Everybody here have the iPhone or no? Anybody, anybody order one of these new phones? No. I have the 10 already. Yeah. So. All right. So if you've got the 10 already, I don't think you need to upgrade, which is one of the, my points I make. But if you've got something like an iPhone 8, which also came out last year, it's worth the upgrade because you're moving towards where Apple's going, right? Send this no more phone. home yeah. buttons. Face ID, which I think we'll eventually see in, in iPads. Even for like you, Brian. Too. Even for me, that's all. Why, why, why do you think, though, I, I believe you think it's the next upgrade cycle that you're going to miss. So what, what is coming down the pike, so to speak, that you think is going to make us all upgrade? As in, like, next year? Yeah. I don't know what Apple's going to do for next year, but I think... But you say the R, though, is good enough. Right, and that's that, next month. That's right. that, and think, that's the one that's... that's the what one did I you say, 720 And RBC was talking about $749. $749. That's the mass market, I think, for this year. And I think it has a 6.1-inch screen, so it's right between these. It has aluminum, so it's a little more cheaper than the steel. Um, I think that's the one that a lot of people are going to like. But, but Todd, is it, does this... Extending Steve's question, does this change the game for people that were on the fence right now versus the 8? I mean, is this noticeably different to the tech community? Yes, uh, versus the 8, absolutely. Uh, everything's upgraded over the 8. The camera, the screen especially, the new OLED display that we saw on the iPhone X last year, people love it. Better speakers, literally everything. In fact, I was talking to Apple about it, and they were like, it's a huge upgrade. And I was like, we well, just launched that last year. Don't you feel like maybe customers that bought it a year later might be a little upset? But... I think that's where the iPhone XR comes in. It's a little more affordable if you yeah. want to get in. A big question, obviously, on everyone's mind is, is, should I upgrade? So we sent Tim out to mm. conduct our own Fast Money iPhone test. Here's how it works. We'll show a set of identical photos, one taken with the 8, another with the new iPhone XS, and then we're going to guess which one was shot with the new iPhone. Let's put the first one up. And Can't look, it's, uh, it's be there great. you go. That's Timmy Seymour. Uh, there you go. Oh, it's, it's like my blue steel shot right there. That's out in Times Square. Uh, uh. So which one is shot with the new iPhone? I, I would say it's me on the left. Uh, so camera left. 
Is it fair for you even to answer that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's well, not I'm the election guy. Why he should you... be excluded from What do you think, guy? Right. I, I, the one with the more vivid blue in your you eyes and in your coat <laughs> the, pocket there. The Thank new you. one was on the right. Really? The new one was on the right. Wait, oh, let me guess. Let me guess. that wrong. On the right. Go ahead. Don't we have a funny graphic or something? There should be a game or a graphic. why. I'm pleased. The shadows. See, it's really dark. His coat was really dark on the left-hand side. On the right, it was clear, and that's because they increased the pixel size on the new cameras, and so you get more light inside the camera, so it actually is mm. a cleaner picture. Mm. I mean, huh. it seems to me like it's a millennial upgrade, so they should take pictures of avocado toast and see how that works. <laughs> Might be the best test. All right, let's throw up the next one. Right, we throw up the next one? Well, now we know how to play the game. There we go. Now he needs a cup of coffee. Yanni. All right, so which one? Is with the new iPhone. Now the duller one, the less vivid one. Yeah. The one on the right. One on the right. Well, it's in the pro- teleprompter, so all of you cheated. Oh, come no, on, we cheat didn't like that. Cheated this time. Oh, no, I can't awful. see the teleprompter. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was the one on the right again. <laughs> That's obvious, guys. Yeah. Switched it up this time, right? <laughs> all right, and finally, uh, the rain didn't get to Tim today. There he is ah. taking. Uh, there he is. <laughs> That's video now, obviously. Which one is with the new phone? Oh. Did you tell your wife and kids to leave the house tonight, just in case? <laughs> Which one? Move, yeah. You were scared I was going to fall. Which one? I'm going left. I think left. All right, it is left. See? There you go. It is left. The XS on the left. I tell you, that, Gene Kelly's enough yeah. of a difference to make you want to buy the phone. That's the question. I, I want to buy Tim another pair of pants. Guy. What is he yeah. wearing? Yeah. There? All right. <laughs> Get that hat. Find me a better umbrella. That's for sure. I mean, it was outside of. The fact that our good friends at the NASDAQ loaned that to me. So thank you, NASDAQ. Todd, thank you, by the way. Thank you for having me. All right, Todd Hazelton bringing us the phones. You, wanna, you guys want to trade it? Let's trade it. Well, Does anybody not own Apple yeah. on the I, desk? I don't own Apple. The phone yeah. or the yeah. stock? The stock. doesn't interest me. I, 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 you know, to me, it's, it, to me, Apple is Is that code like, word for I missed it? No, well, yeah, yeah, it sounds right, like maybe it. if you want to say oh, that. Snap. But to me, it's more like a utility. Well, I mean, no, oh. it's more like utility where you're going to get these steady returns. BK likes it's a little more It's up 29%. Juice Does that sound like utility? I, I understand Bitcoin guy. I yeah, get it. It's exactly. not a thousand percent. 29%. That's but like a day's trading. It, it's about ASP's well, average selling price. I think that ultimately average selling price is going higher no matter what happens in Apple and services is going higher as well. All right, check out the Kramer cam. The madman himself is sitting down with the CEO of Tilray as we speak to talk about the pot stocks parabolic rise. We'll tell you what he said, and we'll do that right after the break. Plus, Wall Street is back. Bankers getting paid the most since the financial crisis. Shareholders? Mm, Not so much. We'll explain what's behind the strange divergence. There's much more Fast Money next. We are back on Fast. Check out shares of Tilray. Parabolic move today. The company announcing it will be the first company to export medical cannabis to the U.S. for clinical trials. And Mad Money's Jim Cramer just spoke to the CEO moments ago about all of the M&A rumors circulating about the company. Take a listen. I think all the alcohol, all the alcohol companies need to enter this industry. Uh, it's a great hedge for them. Or whether you're an alcohol company or an investor in an alcohol company, it's a global opportunity. Our intent is to build a company that dominates part of this 150 billion dollar industry. I think you'll see multiple 100 billion dollar companies. We don't want to partner with ABI. We want to build ABI. Been a meteoric rise for Tilray, as you know, up more than 800 percent. 
Since the IPO back in July, it now has a market cap of $14.4 billion, bigger than 140 companies in the S&P 500. But despite all that hype, the company only has $28 million in sales. Now, by the way, the company has 21 million publicly traded shares. It traded 19 million today alone. Well, what do you well, what do you do with this? Well, it's really tough. And on this show, you've seen me when the stock was overpriced at 30, say, hey, it's a little pricey here, but it's the only U.S. play. It's the first U.S. IPO. You know, there's maybe cheaper names. And you've seen me say at, at, at 100 bucks, hey, really expensive here. I'm not sure what to do, but I would not be buying the stock. We're now at close to $150. What happened today? Well, bottom line is that the FDA has come in and said that one of the main U.S. players, they're, they're obviously very well situated in Canada, but they are someone that has U.S. positioning. It's significant U.S. positioning, can import medical cannabis. They're going to be researching it at UCSD. They're going to be able to make more progress on the research side. This is a day after we get Coca-Cola coming in here and talking about non-medical uses for CBD in their products at some point. So think about what's going on here. And, and he talked about $150 billion. I mean, that's impressive annually. Yeah, uh, we have the, the madman himself uh, with us. Jim Cramer is joining us. Hey, Jimmy, uh, it sounds like a great interview, but uh, what do you do with a stock that's gone up as much as this one has when you compare it to some of the company's fundamentals? Well, look, I, I will say, and it's great to talk to Tim. I saw him at the Green uh, Market R Report conference last week, too. Uh, there is, a, I think, a half a trillion dollar opportunity here, and there's really only about $40 billion worth of market cap of the major uh, the, the marijuana or cannabis stocks. However, I did everything but just get on my knees and beg uh, Brendan to be able to issue stock here because he's got to compete against the $5 billion war chest the cannabis he has because of their exposure to Constellation. I know he says he wants to be the next bud, but the thing that's smart is you're going to need a tremendous amount of capital to do medicine, to do beverages, to do edibles, to do pet food, uh, pet food health, uh, pet health, all these things they want to do. That requires a lot of money. So, Scotty, I got to tell you, they should raise it when the money, when, when the corn is high and he just wasn't biting. And you don't think there's too much hype, uh, you know, speculative money just plowing into these names uh, and that, that someone's going to get hurt on the oh other no, side? Oh, no, no, someone definitely will. Uh, but uh, against that is the fact that Canopy was a company that when I first uh, started talking about when Rob Sands came on, he made that big investment constellation. And he said, Jim, you, you're ignoring how big this market is. Now, there's a lot of retail money in this stock, and there's, it's a, a very difficult to borrow stock. And I think, uh, as Tim and I know, that it was a really big news today that may, maybe, uh, it, maybe they, the government is getting a little bit softer on uh, medical. But I've got to tell you, if you're buying it up here, you better have more of a thesis than just that the quarter's going to be good because I think October 17th is not going to be as nearly as much of a watershed. That's repeal day of uh, prohibition in Canada. And, Scott, I, I think that these stocks are going to come down hard after October 17th. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Jim, uh, Guy has a question for you. I got sure. a question for you, JC. Carson Wentz, back in the fold. What is that? <laughs> what are you thinking about that? What happens to Nick Foles now, man? Well, I, I, Ron Jaworski was just tweeting something about how Foles, they've got a, he's, we're 28th in short pass, 28th in pass right now, which is, I think, uh, will change 
when Carson comes in, but we got to give him some weapons. And we haven't been giving, we, we do not have a receiving core that's anything like what we had last year uh, in the Super Bowl. So I'm nervous. Call me nervous. I'll be there. Frank Reich's going to be coming. He's an unbelievable coach. He was our great offensive coordinator from the Colts. And uh, I'm nervous. What can I say? I'm nervous. I love our birds, but I'm nervous. And uh, I'd be nervous if I started buying Tilray tomorrow morning. I'm yeah. Sure. Timmy has a question for you, Jimmy. Real sure. quick, Jimmy, you've, you've interviewed a lot of these CEOs. What's the common thread with these guys? They're young, they're entrepreneurial. What else? Um, I think that they genuinely believe in the power of cannabis to stop opiates. They believe in the power of cannabis to be able to make it so that we are safer from violence at home because alcohol is such a big part of that. I think they believe in cannabis as a way to be able to have less drunk driving. But most yep. importantly, I think they believe in cannabis because it's a heck of a lot healthier than everything else we put in our bodies. Yeah, Jimmy, good stuff. We can't wait for the interview. Well, thank Thanks you for being guys. with I'm us. I'm so glad you had me on. I think the interview is pretty <laughs> groundbreaking. Yeah, we're, we're, we're glad as well. There's Brendan Kennedy. Jim, sitting down with him exclusively. You can catch the interview in about 15 to 20 minutes or so. Stay tuned for Mad Money Top of the Hour. Coming up here next is the Fang trade two-faced. There's a divergence happening in the popular tech trade that might surprise you. Got those details ahead. Plus, check out this chart. Financials, they're flat this year, so would you believe Wall Street pay just hit its highest levels since the crisis? What is going on at the big banks? We'll discuss much more. Fast Money is after this break. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's the two faces of Fang, Facebook and Google falling over the past month, while Amazon and Netflix, well, they're up. So in this great Fang divergence, do you bet on the winners or do you bet on the losers? I think you have to bet on the winners at this point. I mean, you have a day of reckoning for a lot of these social media stocks coming at the end of September where you have Jeff Sessions is getting educated on it. He's getting briefed on it. And we're going to see what type of bite D.C. is going to try to enact against a lot of these social names. I think it will probably be a buy the news event or buy the buy the fact event because I don't think much is really going to change. But I would say that they're still going to be outperformed by the winners in the space. I tell you, you know, first of all, people think I'm short Facebook because I've been very negative on some of the approach they've taken to how they've talked about their security and the costs and the risk to their business. I own Facebook and a handful of accounts, but bottom line for me is that is not a name to go with. And Google, I think, also has regulatory risks ahead of it. So um, I can't touch Netflix because I don't believe in that business model. I believe in the business model. I don't believe in the valuation. Um, and Amazon, yes, I think you have to ride that because even though they have regulatory Well, you concerns, have no problem yeah. with the Amazon valuation, but you have a problem with the Netflix value. Because I think Amazon has a moat. I think Netflix has so much competition around them that I think it's just a matter of time. I thought Facebook, I thought Facebook wasn't going to rally off the Zuckerberg testimony back in March, April, and it went from 155 to 205. But it's basically given it all back, and I think it's exactly where it should be. So I think Facebook gets interesting again at this 155 level where it basically spent a lot of March and April. So I do think you can buy Facebook down another five bucks. You so. guys really think more regulation is coming like big time Facebook's way? Well, you know what? Yeah. I think and it's, or it's, it's, it's not going to get yeah. easier for them, right? So if you're looking at these four stocks, you say, who has the most risk over the next quarter or so? To me, it's Facebook and Google. Facebook more than Google. And I'd rather, if I'm going to split these, I'd rather go Netflix and, and Amazon in this one. I think they have the less risk. You go with the momentum, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Do you think tech sort of regains its momentum as a, as a group, in which case, you know, maybe not Facebook. Facebook's a special situation right now, but that, you know, most of these names really start getting Where else lift? are you going to get this explosive growth? 
So, so BK uh, earlier said about Apple, actually utility, it's still up 30%, and that's one of the low flyers. All these other names are up 50, 60, 70, 80%. You don't get that anywhere else in this market. You have to go back to tech. Yeah. We think that's what's yeah. going to happen? Well, that, and that's why I stick with the winners. That's why I stick with the momentum. Because these stocks have been used as an ATM sometimes. We've seen that multiple times. And they bounce back. So I want to go with the ones that didn't really sell off as much this time and have, le- have less headwinds over the next quarter. All right. Coming up, more money, more problems. Salaries of Wall Street's big bankers are soaring. Their stocks, though, are sinking. And some traders are betting on an even bigger breakdown ahead. We'll discuss that next. We are live in Times Square, right there at the NASDAQ market site. There's more fast money ahead. Do not go anywhere. Welcome back to Fast Money. Wall Street's paying well nowadays, but not if you're an investor in the biggest bank names. Bob Pisani breaking it down at the New York Stock Exchange for us tonight. Bob? Good evening, Scotty. Salaries on Wall Street rose last year to their highest level since the 2008 financial crisis. That's according to a report issued Monday by New York State Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli. The report puts the average salary in New York City's security industry in 2017, $422,500. That's a 13 percent increase over the year before. And by the way, it's the third highest average on record after adjusting for inflation. Now, that's pretty close to the overall rise in profits. Profits for the first half of 2018 stand at 13.7 billion, 11% higher than the same period last year. Now, the reason profits are up is that revenues grew faster than expenses, up 8.6% in the first half of 2018. Revenue growth was especially strong in wealth management, up 14%. Revenue from trading was up 22%. That's a surprise. Now, this is the good news. The bad news is Wall Street's a lot smaller now. You know, the workforce is 6% lower than it was at its 2007 peak. So here's a little more bad news. Even though the profits are up, investing in the big investment banks have not been winners this year. The S&P 500 is up nearly 9% this year. Banks, you see, up a measly 1%. Big names like Fifth Third and Citigroup, they're down. And the investment banks are even worse. Look at some of these numbers. Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, both down nearly 10%. Goldman, by the way, saw a 17% decline in trading revenues last year quarter. That was due to low volatility and the limits on the ability of Wall Street traders to profit from market bets. It was the worst on the street. That stock is now, by the way, the worst performing Dow component this year. But banks have got bigger problems overall, put together a flat yield curve, put together loan growth that's mostly flattish and higher deposit costs. And you have investors saying there's better places to put my money right now. Back to you, Scott. Yeah, Bob, thank you very much. We'll, We'll trade it now. What, well, I, I mean, it's salaries. interesting that these stocks just can't, they can't catch a bid. No, yeah. no they can't. They and can't. and they, no. they, they seem to be foretelling another story. And I'm not going to tell you what that story is because I don't know. Um, I think the balance sheets are excellent. I think the earnings profile is actually returned, um, maybe not to pre-financial crisis, but I think the valuations are very compelling. Um, and I think higher salaries, by the way, uh, don't mean that suddenly these guys are having gangbusters business. Their businesses have never been more efficient. There's, there's, there's one half the people working at these banks, so paying people who are performing uh, makes sense to me. The regionals had outperformed the big money setter banks recently, but when you look at SunTrust and BB&T, they both guided lower on net interest margins. So that's what's taking the steam out of them. KRE, the regional banking index, is up 5% against an XLF, which is up 1% year-to-date. You could see that spread actually catch down to those bigger money set banks, these act like utilities. I would stay away from financials. It's become too easy to avoid these names, Guy, right? Goldman Sachs is absolutely, <clears throat> there's something going on there. Clearly there's an upheaval. There's a complete change in philosophy. All the J. Aaron 
trading fixed income currency commodities. People seem to be out of favor. It's moving towards more of a banking fee-based business. There are going to be some growing pains here, and I think the stock is definitely saying that. Citibank, to me, at one time's book value is the most interesting. Yeah, I mean, growing pains are exactly right, but this is an industry that's going through full disruption. I mean, just look at what J.P. Morgan's had to do by cutting commission rates because of the Robinhood app and other things like that. Not only blockchain technology coming along, and demographics is driving that disruption. So you look at the millennials, they don't want these big banks. They don't want to do that. They want to go with Amazon and bank with them. But their they profitability, Brian, is, is extraordinary. Look at J.P. Morgan. I agree, Morgan. but they, they can't get out of their way. I, listen, so I've tried it a bunch of times this year they don't go up well, they don't go up okay all right well, I mean you would think okay you got a you got a bull market the S&P is not all that far from a new well more importantly high. you got strong you've economy you got 3% GDP yeah and these guys should be and, and levered to that so uh, but they, they uh, JP Morgan had record way. profits on high ROE so that to me is enough to, to hang in there yeah all right options traders are betting on an even bigger breakdown for one of these struggling bank stocks let's go out to San Francisco Mike Coe's there with the details Mike yeah, so we were taking a look at Morgan Stanley today, which traded about double the average morning put volume, and that was largely the result of a purchase of 1,500 October 5th weekly 47.46 put spreads. The buyer paid 29 cents for those. So the buyer is making a bearish bet that Morgan Stanley is going to get down to that 46 lower strike sometime within the next two and a half weeks or so. And that is, of course, it going to expire before they report earnings a couple weeks later in October. But the thing I would take a look at here is that I think this is really more of a technical play because the lower strike is essentially targeting the lows that we saw this year earlier in July. Yeah. Who's got something for Mikey on, on Morgan Stanley, this options play? Maybe that's the best way to, to, to do a trade in this space. Well, or Mike, how about versus a Goldman Sachs? Because, again, people have put these two companies in the same basket. So is there a way you might position that trade? Yeah, I think you could do the same thing in Goldman Sachs. Morgan, of course, is a little bit more about their asset management business, mm -hmm. but options are cheap in all of these names, as are the stocks themselves, actually. Mike, good stuff. Thank you. Mike Co. out in San Francisco. For more options action, of course, check out the full show, Fridays, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, you know what? Final trades. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour, you An industrial name that has not participated, but it started about GM. BK. I still think oil's the big uh, trade here. XOP, you continue with that one. All right, thank you very much. Steve Grasso. Kronos, yes, the cannabis space is overextended. Yes, I, th I think that these all things have run way too far. Kronos. Guy Yeoman's, Yeoman's work in Mel's absence. You know, thanks for being here. Yes, it has been a privilege Scott. and a there pleasure. Was said, the, the, it has. What do you mean? I can't even, I can't even I be sincere. Twitter's going to My gosh. I took it as All right, thank you very much. Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.